Well, dear folks, today we want to start um, oh, a, a tiny little series and want to start looking at the lives of some people in the Bible. You know, you can learn a lot about uh, what's right and what's wrong simply by observing the lives of people. And so we would like to do that. We'd like to start with a study today on the life of Jacob. That's why we had the scripture reading that we we had there earlier. But we're going to be looking for the next Sunday or two, um, possibly three. We'll see how it goes. But we're going to be looking at the life of this man, Jacob. And we're going to look at his ups and downs. And there's lots of good application there for you and for me. Now, the name Jacob, we'll just begin with that. The name Jacob or Yaakov, uh, it means to grab the heel, a heel grabber. And the idea of that is you're trying to take something over from someone else. You're trying to supplant. Some people use the, the word cheat. Uh, you're trying to cheat someone out of something. Now, there no doubt is a lot of truth to that here in the life of this Jacob. But I also want to hasten to point out that there have been some absolutely wonderful, godly and marvelous men with the name Jacob. So the name Jacob is a good name. And if your name is Jacob or your middle name or something, that's a good name. So don't, don't worry about that. But here, this Jacob here in the Bible, this story of this Jacob sort of illustrates for us um, a defeated Christian life. Sad to say that this particular Jacob, he, he was um, a bit of a loser, if you will. Uh, you're going to see that as we go through it. Now, not everything about Jacob's life was on the downside. He had many good things and, and he, he had the promises of God on him. And thank you, Lord, for the promises of God. Amen to that. But um, he does illustrate for us a bit of a defeated life. And in this context, we'll say the defeated Christian life. And there are many men and women who are born again. They're on their way to heaven. But between here and heaven, they're not living the victorious Christian life. They're not getting the blessings that God would have them to get. And we might say that they're living a, a defeated, a defeated life. Now in the Bible, another man whom we may look at in the days to come, his name is Daniel. And Daniel is sort of an opposite. He's a uh, illustration of a victorious Christian life. Although he went through times of trial and testing persecution, he was always on the winning side. And folks, that's something that you and I want. We want to be on the winning side. Don't we? Amen. Don't you? I sure do. But uh, for every one Daniel, we might get a thousand Jacobs. And uh, sad to say, but that seems to be the way it is. Well, we're going to begin our study with a word of prayer. And then we're going to walk through a few chapters of Genesis looking at events in the life of Jacob. Would you bow your head and close your eyes as we pray? And now our heavenly father, we acknowledge once again, your love and goodness, your patience, your wisdom, your sovereignty, your lordship. 
Once again, we acknowledge the fact that we struggle day by day to live godly lives. And oftentimes we make the wrong decisions. Oftentimes we go far too long without reading our Bible and without praying. And Lord, it's not good. It's not right. And we suffer because of it. Father, we ask that you would please instruct us today from the life of this man, Jacob. No doubt he is one amongst many who wish if they could to go back to an earlier time in their life and relive portions of their life so that they would not make some of these bad mistakes and they would not say some of the things they said. So Lord, we're open. Please teach us, teach us what to do and what not to do. Often we learn more from our mistakes than we do from our successes. So dear Lord, teach us today. Bless your people. In Jesus name. Amen. Well, our story begins here in chapter 25 and I won't read it all, but I want you to see in verse 23 that Jacob and his brother Esau, but we're zeroing in on Jacob. He is sort of um, the son of a divine promise. There's a divine promise here. The Lord said unto her, that's unto Rebecca, because she was having a real struggle What's going on here? It's like a war was going on inside her. And I guess these two brothers, boys will be boys. And these brothers were sort of going at it. And they were almost as if they were locked in combat. And, and she said, this can't be right. So she went and said to the Lord, what's wrong? What's wrong with me? Why are you doing this? Verse 23, the Lord said unto her, two nations are in thy womb and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels and the one people shall be stronger than the other people and the elder shall serve the younger. Now here we have the divine promise of God. And so in the course of time, these baby boys, we would call them twins, although they, they were not identical twins by any stretch. And so these baby boys are born and Esau, he's the one who came out first. They called him Edom or red. And then his brother, Jacob, his brother's hand comes and grabs hold of Esau's heel as if to try and pull him back so that Jacob could be the first one out. And so this is really strange. And so mom, she's seeing this and I guess her, her maidens helping her to give birth and so on. They see this. And so they, they call the second one, Jacob, Yaakov. And the idea is the heel grabber. Now they had no idea what was in store for these boys down the road. These were just the names that they gave the boys here. But um, these boys grew up to be real different. Esau, he was a hairy man. And he was uh, sort of a bit of an untamed kind of a guy. He was wild in many ways. He did not abide at home. He did not really honor his mom and dad. He was off. He was like a hunter. He would, um, he would go off on these uh, almost a safari hunt. 
He, he, he loved, I guess, to shed blood. Uh, he was a, a rough and tumble kind of a guy. And Jacob was a very smooth skinned. And he would more abide at home with his mom and dad. He would take care of the sheep. He learned how to cook. And so he was more of a homebody and Esau was more of the wild man. And that still happens in families today. And sometimes a boy or a girl will get branded as a black sheep of the family. Whereas the other kids are all kind of keeping in tow. You get this one who's, you know, off on their own. Now, sometimes they turn around to become tremendous men and women for God. Other times they grow up to be gangsters and terrorists. Uh, Sorry, but it's true. And so we have these two boys here, but we have also something else that's very sad. And this may have contributed to some of the heartache in this family because this family had some heartache coming and this may have sown some bad seed, but I want you to see this in verse 28. Isaac, that's the father loved Esau. He was the first one out because he did eat of his venison. Venison is deer meat. And so Esau was a hunter and he'd shoot a deer and he'd, uh, he'd gut it and he'd bring the meat and he'd cook it up for his dad. His dad loved it. And so Esau uh, was dad's favorite. And when you start having favorites in the home, you start having problems. So verse 28, but Rebecca loved Jacob. And so Rebecca had her favorite. Isaac had his favorite. Mom and dad each have their favorites. Not going to be a very happy home here. And so mom, dad, examine your hearts. I know that sometimes some of your children will please you more than others. I know that I've had children too, but you must always every day, make sure you love your kids. That's important. You love your kids. Even if some of them act unlovable, even if some of them challenge you to love them, they can be challenging. When you go to bed at night, you cannot harbor any anger, wrath, or bitterness. You have to give it to the Lord And you have to love your children. That's very important. Otherwise you will regret maybe things that will be coming down the pipe. Well, the boys grow up and I think that they're probably in their twenties at this point. They could have been around 30. I don't know. The Bible doesn't seem to say, but Esau was off hunting and Jacob was not too far from home. And he was cooking up a a bunch of real nice pottage kind of like red pottage kind of beets or Wheaties or something red pottage. And so Esau is coming and he hadn't caught anything and he was tired and sweaty and exhausted. And he saw the food and he wanted his brother to give him some food. And here we begin to see something else about Jacob. The first thing we saw was him grabbing his brother's heel. And the next thing we didn't see, but we assume is that there was some rivalry because of the favoritism of mom and dad. But now we see something else that Jacob 
He didn't, he didn't seem to know how to give. He didn't seem to, to have a heart for his brother and to give something. He know he felt he had to sell it to his brother. And so you can sense there was this clashing, this rivalry here. So in verse 29, Jacob sawed pottage. So he was cooking away this pottage. Esau came from the field. He was faint. Esau said to Jacob in verse 30, feed me, I pray thee with that same red pottage for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. Edom means red. And so this seems to be where he, he really got the, the nickname here of red verse 31. Jacob said, sell me this day, thy birthright. So you had a, um, a birthright and blessing. The birthright of course was given to the eldest. He was given a uh, double portion of the inheritance so that he was able to look after uh, the aging mom and dad and funeral arrangements. And uh, it also included compensation for his time and trouble to do all this. And this was a birthright. And he, there were some other things that came along with the birthright. The blessing of course was also uh, something that was to be given in this case to the firstborn Esau. But uh, Esau at this point in his life, 25 years of age or 30, we don't know. He despised his birthright. He didn't care for it. Meant nothing to him. And so Jacob said, sell me thy birthright. Esau said, behold, I'm at the point to die, which was not true. It's like when your, your child comes in, your teenager and says, I'm starving. Well, they're not really starving. They're just hungry. If they want to know what starving is, you should take them and show them some pictures of some people in parts of the world that actually are starving with their bloated bellies or some of them with so, so bad that their ribs are, you know, and their bones are so this is starving son. You're not starving. You're just hungry and impatient. And that's what, what uh, Esau was here. He says, I'm at the point of die. What profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob said, swear to me this day, and he swear unto him and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. What a mistake. And that came back to haunt him years later. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils and he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Both of these boys had problems. Didn't they? Yeah. Well, we move into chapter 27. We're going to jump chapter 26 because it deals more with their daddy, Isaac, and some mistakes and things he did. But we're going to get into chapter 27. And this here is when uh, Isaac was getting old. You say, how old was, was Isaac? Was he 50? No, I'm afraid he was a little older than that. Oh my, what was he? 65? Was Isaac 65? Keep guessing. 75? You're getting warmer. 85? Keep going. I'll give you a little hint. He's over 100. He's over a hundred. He is probably 130 or 132 years of age at this point. And now people did live a little longer back in those days, right? 2000, 4,000 years ago, I should say they did tend to live a little bit longer. And it came to pass when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see. So the, the poor old guy here is half blind or three quarters blind. He called Esau, his eldest son, 
and said unto him, my son. And he said unto him, behold, here am I. Now this is the story how Isaac was about to give the blessing onto Esau. But remember, Esau sold this years ago to his brother, Jacob. Now, this story in chapter 27 is how Jacob stole away the blessing from, from his brother by getting his father to bestow it upon him. Now, some people seem to think that, that these boys, Jacob and Esau were, you know, in their twenties and they're running around deceiving their dad and doing these things. They were quite a bit older. You see how old was Jacob and Esau. Remember they were twins. They're born the same day, probably minutes apart. How old were they when they, when they were deceiving, when, when Jacob was deceiving his dad, how old were these boys? Well, I want to show you, it may surprise you how old they were, but I want to show you this and we can, we can determine how old uh, Jacob was by looking at one of his sons, Joseph. And so We'll go over to chapter 41. Would you do that, please? Chapter 41. You know that, that Jacob gave birth to 12 sons, and one of them was named Joseph. And Joseph was taken and sold into slavery into Egypt. His brothers didn't like him, and they sold him off. And he was there for a number of years. And all of a sudden, you know, he's the prime minister of, of Egypt. God just brought him right up. Well, here in chapter 41... If you look at verse 46, Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And so when he's about to be promoted to prime minister, he's 30 years old. And if you look back at verse number 29, Joseph made a prophecy and said, there come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt. And after uh, shall arise after them, seven years of famine. So Joseph was predicting 14 years seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. So keep this in mind that at the beginning of the seven years of plenty, Joseph is 30. And now Joseph goes through the seven years of plenty. That makes him 37. And now the seven years of famine begins. Two years of the famine go by. And Jacob sends his sons down to Egypt a couple of times to get bread. Maybe you're familiar with this story to get, to get corn, I should say. And we'll go to chapter 45. And this is where Joseph reveals himself to his brethren in chapter 45 and verse six, he stands before his brothers and he says to them in verse six, for these two years hath the famine been in the land. So do the math. Joseph was 30 when the seven years of plenty started. So he was 37 when the seven years finished, then began the seven years of famine. Two of those years have gone by. So now Joseph is 39. So he's 39. Now let's, let's say that the math may be off one way or the other. Let's say he's 40. Let's put him at 40. We'll round it off to 40. Now let's look at chapter 47 Joseph's brothers can't believe, of course, it's him as he's alive. And he says, 
send my father, go get my father and bring him here. And so they go back and they bring Jacob, Joseph's father. Now, how old was Jacob when he comes into Egypt? We know that, that Joseph is about 40 years old. And so how old now is Jacob? And if you look at chapter 47, he stands before Jacob stands before Pharaoh and verse nine, Jacob said unto Pharaoh, the days of the years of my pilgrimage are in 130 years. So he's 130 years old. Jacob at this point is 130. Joseph is 40. So if you subtract Joseph's age off of Jacob's age, you'll know how old Jacob was when Joseph was born. Just subtract 40 years, 90. So Jacob was 90 years old when his son Joseph was born. So keep that in mind. Jacob is 90 when Joseph is born. Okay. Now we go back to chapter 31. After Jacob hoodwinked his father, Isaac and giving him the blessing. Then there was big war between the two brothers and Esau would have killed Jacob. And so Rebecca sends him away to her brother, Laban, uncle Laban back in the Syria area. And so off he goes. So after he deceives his father, after he gets the blessing, maybe a few days, a week goes by and he's out of there and he makes the journey to Laban, maybe a couple of weeks to, to get to Laban's place. And he's with Laban for a number of years. How many years was he with Laban? Well, Jacob, we know was 90 years old when his son Joseph was born. And that's right near the end when he's leaving Laban. He may have hung around a little while longer. Now these are just approximates, but he's 90 when his son Joseph is born. And if you look at chapter 31 and let's look at verse number 41, Jacob is speaking with uncle Laban and he says, thus have I been 20 years in thy house. I served thee 14 years for thy two daughters and six years for thy cattle. Thou hast changed my wages 10 times. And so there's 20 years that Jacob was with Laban. And so he's 90 when he's about to leave with Joseph, you subtract 20. And how old is Jacob? He's 70. And so when his father is old and practically blind and he sends Esau out to get some deer meat. And then Jacob comes in and fools his father. Jacob and Esau are 70 year old men. They're not teenagers. These are growing men that should have known better. These are men that should have left their, their petty squabbles behind them years ago, but they're still at each other's throats after all those years. You know, it's sad, isn't it? But there are still examples of brothers and brothers and sisters and sisters and brothers and sisters and sisters and brothers who after 50 years, 60 years still aren't speaking to each other. That's sad, isn't it? But that's sort of what we have here. It's really sad. It's a family that's divided. It seems that way. And I don't think mom and dad really helped the matter by having favorites. Please don't have favorites in the home. Don't have favorites. God makes us all different. God knows what he's doing. 
He gives each one a little different personality. Some are more easygoing. Some are a little more challenging, but they're of the Lord. Children are an heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward. If God has blessed you with children, uh, mom and dad, I guess your mom and dad, because you've got kids, thank God for them. Don't have any favorites. And uh, junior and sissy, uh, make sure that you love each other. Very important. Uh, don't end up with a family like this. So in chapter 37, we're back to 37. I'm sorry, 27. Chapter 27. We have these two 70 year old men running around doing what they're doing. But while Esau is out uh, getting, getting venison, getting deer meat, uh, we have verse um, six, Rebecca, Jacob's mom. Now I just want to say, you know, she bless her heart. She was not a very submissive wife here. Bless her heart. Thank God for Rebecca. But she kind of overstepped her boundaries. She should not have done what she did. She did it anyhow. So she says to Jacob, listen, I heard your father say this to your brother and he wants, he wants deer meat. Go to the flock and bring me two goats. Now, right away, you might think, well, wouldn't, wouldn't father have tasted the difference and said, wait a minute, this isn't venison. This is goat meat. What are you trying to do here? Well, I had to do a little study because I'm not a cook. I like to eat, but I'm not a cook. And I did a little study and I found that there's a close similarity between goat meat and deer meat. I didn't know this, but I found this out. And a good cook can make goat meat taste like deer meat. If you know what you're doing, you can do that. And I've read some blogs and testimony on people who have tasted them and thought for sure it was one or the other, like they got fooled. And so Rebecca must have been a good cook. So she had that going in her favor, didn't she? Hooray for the good cooks. Amen. So she says to her son, you bring this and I'll fix it up. Make it just like the kind of meat your father likes. Verse nine, I'll make them savory meat for thy father, such as he loveth. And then you'll bring it to him and he'll give you the blessing. And so this dialogue goes back between Uh, mother and son. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. He'll know it's not me. Well, she said, I'll put some goat skins on your arms, you know, so that when he feels you, you feel all the hair. He's thinking he's touching the arms of your brother Esau. Oh, well, it's not going to work. She says, my son, thy curse be upon me. Just do this. He did it. And so he goes in and, and says, father, here am I. And Old, old man, Isaac says, who art thou? I am Esau, thy firstborn. Uh, well, you don't sound like him. It's, it's like that, uh, uh, come a little closer. My, what big uh, uh, teeth you have, grandma. Or, you know, that, that fairy tale thing there. So he can hardly see. And there's Jacob. It's actually hilarious if you picture this, him with these goat skins on him, bringing his mother's cooking into, into his father there. And so you know, he reaches and touches as well. It, it feels like Esau, but the voice is Jacob's. 
You know, so I, I don't know. Maybe he says, well, I have a cold. I'm not feeling too well, Father. I don't know. But um, anyhow, he managed to fool his father. But look at this, would you? In order to pull this off, Jacob had to tell four lies, outright, bold-faced lies to his father. So in verse, verse 18, my father, he said, and he said, who art thou, my son? Verse 19, and Jacob said unto his father, I am Esau, thy firstborn. That's lie number one. Then he tells another lie. I have done according as thou badest me. That was a lie. And then verse 20, Isaac said unto him, well, how is it thou hast found it so quickly, my son? He said, because the Lord thy God brought it to me. That was a lie. He went out and got it out of the flock and brought it to his mother. And so verse 22, Jacob went near unto Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he discerned him not because his hands were hairy. Verse 24. And he said, art thou my very son Esau? And here's the fourth lie. And Jacob says, I am. An absolute lie. He wasn't. Four times he had to lie to his father. But he got what he wanted. He got the, the blessing. He got it. And so without realizing it, Isaac gave the blessing over to Jacob, not to Esau. Now, theologians debate this all day long. Let them debate it. But they do kind of conjecture. We wonder if Isaac somehow remembered this prophecy given to his wife, Rebecca, two nations and the elder shall serve the younger. If maybe he, he knew about this and he didn't want it to happen and he did everything in his power to prevent it from happening, but God overruled and still made it happen. They may be right. They may be, but from what we can see here, there was a lot of heartache to get it. There was a lot of lying to get it. There was a lot of overstepping and overreaching one's boundaries to get it. My, oh my, I sure wouldn't want it after all of that. I don't know how you feel about getting that, but this was something that Jacob wanted. He felt he had to have. And so the jig is up. Esau comes in later minutes after Isaac leaves and Esau comes in and says, dad, I'm home. Here's the meat. Eat it and bless me. And then Jacob starting, Isaac started to shake and say, who art thou? Well, I'm your son Esau. My son Esau. Well, then who was that? And the jig is up. And oh boy, World War III is about to begin. And so in order to preserve Jacob's life, because Esau would have killed him. In verse uh, 40, Let's see. Well, you can see verse 41. Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. You can see that. And so Rebecca says in verse 43, now, therefore, my son, obey my voice and arise, flee thou to Laban, thy brother, tarry there, stay there. And so he says, uh, stay there a few days. She said in verse 44, tarry a few days until thy brother's fury turn away. So she sent away her son, her favorite. She sent away Jacob and she never saw him again. 
He was there 20 years. And in that time she died. She never got to see her son again. These are, are, are sad things, folks. I, I just hope with all my heart that of all of the families that are watching right now, that we don't have a family situation like this because it just doesn't end well. It does not end well. If we could turn back the clock, hmm? there was a time when Isaac saw Rebecca for the first time and they loved each other and he took her unto himself and they became husband and wife. Now they didn't have kids for 20 years. He was 40 when he married Rebecca and they couldn't have children for 20 years. And Isaac is now 60 when his two boys are born, but still that's okay. That's okay. But there's a couple of matters here. There's the prophecy, the word of God. There's the, the heel grabbing. There's quite likely the intent of Isaac to overthrow the promise of God. Mom, dad, we have to be very careful with our children because they're only on loan. L O A N they're on loan to us just for a short time. And then they're off and we must, we must nurture them in the way the Lord would have them to go. We cannot lay claim to the children that really belong to God. As a parent, it's natural for you want you to want your children to always be around you, always close to you and to prosper. And God knows what he's doing. And God sometimes calls the boys and girls into full-time service. God makes no mistakes. And you have to be very careful, mom, very careful, dad, that you do not hold back the promises of God or the calling of God on your children. You must be very careful, mom and dad, that you do not choose favorites amongst your children. Now, if you have one child, you're allowed to have favorites. If all you have is one son or one daughter, thank God for him or for her. He can be your favorite. She can be your favorite. You're allowed to do that. If you have five sons and one daughter, she can be your favorite daughter. If you have five daughters and one son, he can be your favorite son. But if you have favorites, you prefer this one over the other. That's a mistake. That's, that's not good. It's not ever, ever going to turn out right in your heart. You're going to want to correct that today. And of course, for the, the children, the sons and daughters, the boys and girls, the brothers and the sisters. See that ye love one another fervently out of a pure heart. Brother, protect your sister. 
care for her, protect her. And sister, protect your brother. Care for him, protect him. Now I know, I know, sometimes right about now, a brother will say, Pastor, you wouldn't say that if you knew my brother. You wouldn't say that if you knew my sister, how impossible she is to live with. You wouldn't know, say that if you, if you knew my brother, how hard he is on me and cruel he is on me. And you may be 100% right, my dear. But you will not help your cause through squabbles and bickering and fighting. You will cause more heartache for your mom and dad. You will cause more problems for the Lord. Now the Lord has to do more things in your life. He has to withhold more blessings. Listen, you just look after your own heart. You love your brother or love your sister fervently out of a pure heart. Even if they don't love you back, you look, you do your part and God will look after you. He'll bless you. Don't worry about your brother or your sister getting some little thing more than you. Am I talking to any families today? Are these lessons going on deaf ears today? Hey folks, we all kind of live in the same neighborhood. We struggle with the same struggles. And I'm calling upon all of our people. Let's just be what God wants us to be. Let's honor the Lord. Let's live so that when we look back, we're not going to say, Oh, I wish I could go back and treat my parents better. I wish I could go back and treat my brother differently, treat him better. I wish I could go back and take back those lies. I told, I wish I could go back and withdraw my hand from that situation that I should never have been involved with. And if we will just read God's book, how he wants us to live and how we ought to obey. And that's why I want you to tune in on Wednesday nights as we deal with the subject of wisdom. Listen, you're never too young. You're never too old to benefit from God's wisdom. Amen. Someone didn't say amen. Amen. That's better. I love you so much and God loves you so much more. Let's bow our heads now for prayer. Our father, our wonderful father, beyond description, you are wonderful, all wise and all knowing. We thank you, dear Lord, for the families that you've given us. You've made no mistake. You gave us the right parents. You gave us the right uh, children, the right brothers, the right sisters. You've also put us in the, in the right place to be born at the right time to be born You've also given us the, 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 the proper faculties and physical development, mental development. You've given us everything that you want us to have. Father, I pray that on the heels of last Sunday's decision, the consecration, we would follow that up as moms and dads and sons and daughters, brothers and sisters, and we would bow before you and give you thanks because you make no mistakes. We would give you thanks for our families. We would give you thanks for all of the many blessings we have. And we would not complain 
because maybe there's some blessings we do not have. We'll not complain. Oh, dear heavenly father. I know you love your people more than any, anyone. You love the people of grace Baptist church. You love them intimately, dearly and desperately. You gave your all by sending Jesus. That's how much you love us. Dear father, God, I know that most all of us are born again and saved. I know there's a few of us that aren't saved yet. Father work in the hearts of those who are not yet saved, that they would come to Jesus today and not put it off. And father amongst all those who are saved, I know that there are some that are not living right for you. They're like wandering sheep. Father, you love them so dearly. Speak to their heart. Please convince them of the truth that the way of the backslider is hard and the backslider shall be filled with his own ways and the emptiness there is in not living close to you. Please. I pray father, you know who they are. Call them back to you, back to your side. For those who are trying to live a faithful, godly life, bless them with more wisdom and more power than they've ever had. Take us all in your arms, father, and make us the people that would bring you the most pleasure and glory and honor. We love you dearly. In Jesus name, we pray. Amen.